Uh, I want to welcome today's guest. Um, you, un- unfortunately, you've probably been seeing him all over and hearing him all over. Uh, John Poland's uh, son, Hirsch, uh, was one of the hostages taken October 7th. He was at a music festival. Uh, John is living through the agony that any parent would be living through, not knowing if his son is alive, not knowing he knows he's hurt. We're gonna, I'm going to let him tell the story, but I just, first of all, dad to dad, I'm so sorry. I, I, I can't even, I, we spoke on the phone before. I don't have the right words to say to you other than my heart just goes out to you in every way, shape, possible form. I'm so, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Well, thank you. And that is the only appropriate thing to say. Um, there are people who mean really well, and they still make the mistake of saying to my wife or me, first of how all, how are you? Right. How are you? My, yeah. my wife has made it famous that don't ask that question because there's yeah. not an answer that you want to hear. Yeah. And the second thing is people sometimes say, I'm so sorry. I can, I can imagine what you're going through. No, you can't. Yeah. And, and the answer is you can't, you know, I say we've joined, we've joined a new family and we all talk about this. The families of the today, I believe the number is 239 hostages We've all joined a family that we don't want to be in. We never wanted to be in. Um, but we can understand each other. And it's hard for anybody who's not in this family to understand what we're going through. So so thank you for not having much to say. Yeah, I don't. Or I'd love you to, the best I can do in this interview is just have you tell your story for any people that maybe have not heard it, starting with the evening before. And, and first, tell me about Hirsch. And then please tell me the story. And just I, people need to hear it. Uh, and then we'll we'll talk a little after that. Sure. So we are American Israelis. We moved to Israel as a family in 2008. My wife and I both grew up in Chicago. We lived in California, Northern California, for a few years where Hirsch was born. We then lived in Virginia for a few years. And from there, we moved to Israel. So Hirsch is a really curious, inquisitive guy and always has been, always been a voracious reader. Um He's not a kind of guy who walks into a room and feels the need to be loud and make his presence known. But on the other hand, once he's been in that room for 15 minutes, I feel like he's kind of entered people's hearts. He's just a likable guy, I think. Um, and I, I, I say that little kids gravitate to him. My friends who are in their 50s gravitate to him. He just is a likable guy and quick-witted and funny. And... Um, so he was at the he was at this music festival, uh, ironically billed as the uh, festival of unity and love, um, down in the south of Israel. Um, we had had dinner with him on Friday night, October sixth. We are Jewish. We were in synagogue. It's a holiday, so we went as a family to synagogue. We were celebratory. We then had dinner with two other families at a friend's house. It was a really nice dinner. Hirsch had a backpack and told us that he was going to be leaving at some point to meet his very close friend on air and that they were going to go somewhere. We didn't ask where. We didn't know where. And um, 11 o'clock at night, he came over to say goodbye. We kissed him. We hugged him. And he left. And the next morning, the next morning in Israel, early morning, air raid sirens were going off. And um, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that there were massacres, literally massacres going on in the south. We still didn't know that that's where he was, but we heard that there was this music festival and my daughter found something about it online and 
my wife and I reached out. We knew he was with his friend on there. We know they have another third really close friend. They're kind of the three amigos. That friend was overseas, and we reached out to him to say, is this where they went? And he confirmed that, yes, Hirsch and Aner had been at the festival. Um, at 8.11 in the morning, we got two WhatsApp messages. The first one said, I love you. The second one said, I'm sorry. Those came to the three-person group that my wife and I have with Hirsch. Um, when you get messages from a 23-year-old saying, I love you, and I'm sorry, at 8.11 in the morning, alarm bells go off. That's not the usual daily occurrence. So we kicked into gear. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I sound robotic in telling the story, but it's not that I obviously am not super emotional about it, but I'll fast forward a little bit, which is to say that by Saturday afternoon, we reported him as missing. There was carnage all over the country, chaos all over the country, a lot of people being reported missing. Um, and we had a group of very close friends, each who bring different skills to the table come over to our apartment by Saturday afternoon. And we went into full situation room mode, mapping out a, an action plan of what we we're going to do to find him, who was going to take on what responsibilities. A couple of friends headed South and went to the hospitals in the South to look through bodies to see if they could identify him. Um, we were combing lists that were appearing on the internet of people who showed up at different places in the South. Um, but uh, we were unable to locate him. So what we've now pieced together um, and this is because a photo emerged on the internet roughly on Sunday morning of a group of young people in a bomb shelter in the South. And we quickly kind of through the internet, were able to identify family members or friends who knew people in the picture. And from that, we started to connect with uh, a few survivors who were in that bomb shelter. And from them, from three eyewitnesses, we learned the story that um, sometime between 7.30 and 8 a.m., 29 people packed into that bomb shelter, most of whom had been running from the festival, came under heavy gunfire. Grenades started to be thrown into the bomb shelter. Um, Hirsch's friend on air, by all accounts, was a tremendous hero that morning. He was in the doorway catching grenades and throwing them back out. Um, we now believe based on this eyewitness testimony, that he was able to deflect seven grenades and toss them back out. Ultimately, when his body was identified, um, his parents have shared with us that the authorities told them that his body was found with a grenade in his hand. Um, but uh, several grenades made it past on air and it's detonated in the shelter. What we now know is it seems that 18 of the people in the bomb shelter were killed. Um, some eyewitnesses were hiding under the dead bodies and they've shared with us that at roughly nine o'clock in the morning, Hamas gunmen came into the bomb shelter and took out four boys of which Hirsch was one of them. They all shared with us that when he stood up, it was clear that his left arm had been blown off, but that he had seemingly fashioned for himself some sort of bandage. We don't know if it's a tourniquet or a bandage or what, but they said he had put some kind of dressing on his arm and he was loaded onto a Hamas pickup truck at roughly nine o'clock in the morning that was seen driving towards Gaza. And that is the last anybody saw of our son, as far as we know. Um, we've subsequently learned from Israeli authorities that they last pinged his telephone at roughly 1025 a.m. inside of Gaza. So we believe he's held in Gaza, but Donnie, we don't know. We don't know if. Two minutes after the truck pulled away, 
He bled out. We don't know if he's still there. Uh, we just don't know. I'm sorry that I, I see the pain as you go through it, and you've said this so many times, and, and you're doing it because you just any way to keep getting the message out there, any way possible. You 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 would say it a million times. Your wife kind of what blew me away about your wife's speech at the UN or or passionate plea was that there was no hate. It was no I I no no I want vengeance and no we've got to get the it, it was purely about the opposite of that about love. So it's interesting. Um, I've taken to doing a lot of my calls in Hirsch's bedroom where I am now um, for a few reasons. One, it's quiet. Two, it's unfortunately empty right now, and you can't see the details. But I can tell I you, that his I room, can. His room, his room is his room is filled with uh, stickers, banners, posters that are those of somebody who pursues peace. Um, the irony is, as we've grown closer to many of the families of those who were kidnapped, is nobody should be kidnapped. Nobody should be subjected to what happened on the morning of Saturday, October 7th. But one of the ironies in this is that so many of the people taken from the settlements, the kibbutzim, I mean, in the South, and, and our son and other young people at the Festival of Unity and Love, is broadly, this is a community of people who have for years been rallying for coexistence and for peace in this region. And um, again, I'm not suggesting that this should have happened to anybody else, but there is a, a terrible irony in what I believe now to be that so many of the innocents who are taken are people who really just are working for a better future for the entire Middle East region. Um, now I say that to come back to your question <coughs> or your comment, which is my wife and I both, we're not thinking about hatred. We're not thinking about vengeance. None of those thoughts are on our minds right now. Our thoughts are on the fact that there are 239 hostages from 33 countries. This is a global humanitarian crisis. And we just want these people to be freed. We want no innocents harmed. We want that. Those thoughts are not on our mind. We just want quiet and peace. And we want to speak that. And Hirsch would want to speak that. And um, nobody should ever be subjected to what we are going through. I don't know how religious you are. How do you keep your faith through something like this? Or, or is it that your faith grows somehow? I, 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 as I said, I, 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 I just can't imagine. I, I can't. Uh, you know... So first of all, um, you know, you, you you look for 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 reasons to be faithful in different places. My wife, more than me, but both of us, has she's gravitated tremendously to to Psalms, to Hilim, and finding comfort in reading those. You know, unfortunately, these trying times and. Uh, coming out or trying to come out of catastrophic experiences is something that we Jews have known for throughout our history. The world has known it throughout its history. Um, and uh, I'm just hoping that the fortitude that Hirsch has is, is carrying him through this, that he's going to come back home and walk in the door any minute. And um, that he as an individual, we as a family, our friends, our community, the country, and the world 
can just be resilient and find some way to move beyond the massacre of October 7th, um, it's what we got to do. We get, we got to look for hope and optimism and faith anywhere we could find it nowadays. We're obviously not going to get into any politics, but the, the one thing that just we are all scratching our heads about is that after the horrendous events of October 7th, the, the hate for Jews and Israel around the world escalated. It, it, it defies any human logic. And I appreciate not getting into politics. Part of what we, my wife and I and others, have been trying to do is paint the aftermath or the events of October 7th and the hostage situation piece of it in particular as what it is, which is what happened on October 7th? Of course, there's a history here, but what happened on October 7th is not a Jewish Arab issue. It's not an Israel-Palestine issue. It's not an Israel-Gaza issue. These are, as I said, 239 individuals from 33 countries. Thai workers were taken from the fields. Muslims were taken. Christians were taken. There was, there were, there, 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 it was just a grab, a grab at people. And this is a, this is a humanitarian crisis. Now, yes, there is a Gaza Israel conflict happening. We're going to put that aside. This hostage situation does not relate. It, 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 it needs to be detangled from that. And I don't understand why I'm not seeing global leaders in much bigger force than is happening, screaming that we got to address this global humanitarian crisis. Where are the foreign ministers? Where are the prime ministers of these 33 countries? What can you say about what your daughters are going through? Uh, like all of us, it's terrible. Everybody copes with trauma in a different way. And we're seeing that up close now. Um, you know, being, being without any kind of framework. My wife and I spend all day, every day on a mission. It's what drives us. It's what carries us forward is this mission with one outcome that we're going for. My daughters are part of the mission, but they're separate from it. And they're, they're, they're struggling. They're struggling because they're not as actively in the day-to-day -day mission as we yeah. are. Um, they're, they're kind of left without real framework in their lives right now. Their lives are just clouded with uncertainty. Um, and one of my daughters has said that she's kind of pulled away from her friends because they can't relate to what she's going through. Yeah. And she's interesting in an interesting way in finding more comfort hanging out with Hirsch's friends because while they relate to it from a different angle, they know him, they love him, they 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 better understand what she's going through. And so she's been finding more comfort hanging out with Hirsch's friends than her own. Um, and my other daughter is really clinging to her own friends and strong and pushing forward. They both are, but in very different ways. What do you want to say to all my listeners that if anything that they can do, I, I'm not saying that we're going to change the world on this end, but the reason you're doing this and what, what do you want to say if somebody wants to do something, write a letter, take to the streets, what, what, what would you like to my, my yeah, people so listening I'll, I'll to say, this? I'll, I'll say a few things. Number one is again, to the extent that anybody can be persuaded I want to paint this through the lens of, as I said, it's a global humanitarian crisis. I want people to think about it that way and act that way. In terms of specific actions that people could take, we've been overwhelmed in a good way with 
such an outpouring of support. We get outreach from people we are still in touch with, people we haven't been in touch with in 40 years, and people we don't even know. We get the most heartwarming letters from strangers in Italy, as just one example, expressing their love and support and prayers and so on. Um, what I would say that people could try to do to be helpful is, number one is awareness. We're telling the story mostly of Hirsch because he's ours. We know him. We love him. We want to bring him home. But we also make sure that we're always telling the story of 238 others whose families are also suffering, who they're suffering themselves as hostages. And um, it's important, I think, to keep telling the story as it's happening. New cycles move quickly. Congressional cycles move quickly. Right now on day 26, I think people are still sort of interested in their, this hostage situation going on. But by a week or two days from now, they might not be. And I'm urging the world, don't forget about the hostage situation. Don't stop fighting for the hostages. What does that mean tactically? It's the next step, which is for those in America, don't stop calling and writing to your elected officials. Uh, we've been posting a lot on the Bring Hirsch Home social channels, including we've put up templates, templated emails, templated talking points for phone calls. We've got a spreadsheet of every elected official and how to contact them. We are trying to make it as simple as possible. Um, my wife, Rachel, likes to talk about mosquitoes. Be like a mosquito in the ears of elected officials. Just keep buzzing at them nonstop that you care about the hostages and you want them as your elected official to bring these people home. Um, I wish I had better answers for yeah. what I ask of people. I don't know. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the only thing I can offer to you is, is sending a prayer and love and uh, hope to you and your daughters and your wife. I, uh, that's, that's all I got for you is I'm going to say a prayer tonight and I, my heart goes out to you. And uh, thank you for taking the time to keep going through what is, excruciatingly unfathomable. Thank you. And we appreciate prayers. We appreciate support. We may have signs on our door saying, don't bother us, we're busy. But people who are reaching out and sending a one-line note, people who are posting on our social channels, people who are praying, we know it. We feel it. And it carries us through the day to, to have that support. So thank you and thank any of your listeners who join you in that prayer. John Poland, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.